Welcome to Pillar Talks Podcast. The train is here, and we are pursuing pursuing truth. In a local church context, join us for the ride. All right, welcome once again to Pillar Foundations. Tonight, um, it's me, Atticus, one of your pastors, with Andrew and Seth. Hello. Hello. Andrew, then Seth, as you heard there. Um, And we are going to talk about the way COVID affected our church, especially um, discussing how we made the decision to not worship for about two months. So we're recording this on March 8th, and March 8th of 2020 was our last service before we took a two-month break until Mother's Day when we resumed worship. So we're going to start out and uh, just discuss kind of what it is that went into this decision. Um, so do you want to want to jump in and say, like, how did we even bring this up? What did we, what caused us? Do you remember what caused us to start thinking we might not want to worship on Sunday, March 15th, as the coronavirus became a thing? Anybody remember? Do you remember offhand, Seth? I do. There were... Good, because I didn't. I don't, yes. <laughs> so. It's a good well, thing Seth's got the good memory here. There was a state of emergency issued. By whom? By President Donald R. Trump. Is that where it started? Okay. He is, no, it's Donald J. <laughs> Definitely J, <laughs> not <even>. R. <laughs> <laughs> he issued the state of emergency. Every other business, what was deemed a non-essential business at the time, um, was shutting down. We looked at the example of a lot of other churches in our area, um, and they were following that pattern. Um, and therefore, we, after seeing all that, determined we needed to have the conversation anyways to go over that and see if that was something that would be a good decision for a time or if that's unnecessary and um, too fear-based or whatever, whatever else it may have been. But that's what brought up the conversation. That's what got us started on it i believe i feel like by the time we made the decision we had though hadn't several a lot of churches in the area already been shut down for several weeks is that accurate i feel like some of the bigger ones shut down for several weeks or they had at least announced we're not meeting this sunday they were publicly shut down so the way i remember it is we shut down pretty early and we did that thinking that it would be a really short thing but we had seen other churches say they were going to shut down the way i remember it is when president trump uh, essentially, when he came out and said it was a national emergency, other churches began to close down, and then we thought, well, maybe we should do this too. And and one thing I remember is I thought, I think we both, or all thought, all three of us, that it would be a couple weeks. Um, I mean, two weeks maybe. I remember Atticus saying, we have to be meeting it by <laughs> Easter. I do remember that. So in case you don't have time to look at your calendar, uh, Pillar Church friends and family who are listening to this, um, we didn't open up till May 10th, Mother's Day, and that's after Easter. But yeah, I definitely thought on March 15th or whenever it was, we would be back open by early April when Easter would have been. It was a whole other month before we actually opened back up, um, which still disappoints me. Let me just say this. Looking backwards, we're going to get into why we made this decision. But looking back, I really, with all that I know now, this is going to be... Not popular. Controversial. Controversial. Here we go. I don't care. But Disclaimer. Controversial. We would have opened up on Easter. Because it's the, it's the day we celebrate the resurrection. It's bigger than COVID. Resurrection is bigger than COVID. 
Um, I know that's gonna get me in trouble, but. And yeah, Thoughts? I think I think um, if I uh, if I w- if it was my own church and no one else was there, which isn't how it is, but I don't know. Is that, that how it should be, Andrew? <laughs> do you think that it should be your own church and no one else is there? And Hot take you coming. Make all the decisions. <laughs> um, I don't think I would have ever shut down. I think I would have kept meeting um, in perpetuity. And I I wonder, even as we're talking here, like, is there a situation where I wouldn't? Is there a type of illness or pandemic or whatever where um, I would see it as fit to, to not meet? I don't I don't know the answer to that offhand. I feel like there's a level where my fear would be greater than it was. Um, but I would err more towards meeting and uh, having kept meeting during that time. So, um, we were in a little bit of disagreement uh, as we made this decision. We were, in, we were unified. Um, as elders, one of the things we've tried to do is be open and, and be able to disagree with one another, but then come to a conclusion that we can all say yes to, even if we're not 100%, this is the way I would do if I was in my own church for myself, like Andrew said. Um, I don't think Atticus and I have ever butted heads <laughs> As much as, as much say, as, as much as I thought we, you were gonna say we've never agreed. <laughs> no, I don't think we've ever butted heads, or I've gotten as fiery as as we did during that. I don't know if you felt it, but as as we did during that uh, decision making process at the towards the tail end, like I was once we made the decision, I was ready to get behind it and go with it. But I don't know, maybe this is no, getting that's... in depth here. But I feel like that was a pretty. Uh, we were both passionate about where we stood, I think. I appreciate you saying that, and I want to say this and then get Seth's response. Like, I actually think there were times in that season when I was like, are me and Andrew ever going to be on the same page? Because I very much thought, like, we need to close down. Again, didn't think it would go till Easter, um, so I thought it would be less than a month. Um, but I thought we needed to close, um, and you were very adamant we didn't need to. And I didn't feel any animosity but I didn't feel like this is a divide how do we move forward and it was difficult it was hard to to wrestle through what what was your feelings in that moment Seth in that time yeah I was on team shutdown as well at the time which is why we did because it was two to one (laughs) 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 but wait let me just interject for our for the members of our church like that is I mean I'll just be really honest and open that like I hope you can understand this. Like as elders, we make decisions. Sometimes we're going to disagree. We're going to try to say this is the best we can do for the whole church body. Um, and it may be as simple as that. Maybe a vote sometimes. Like what do we think? And if it's something on doctrine, if it's something that was clearly like on the gospel and who Jesus is, well, then we have foundational beliefs and principles to go back to. But on this, we were kind of all like, here's our feelings and our thoughts. So in that, there is room for disagreement, um, even difficult disagreement. Sorry, Seth. I just think that's good to... Yeah, how divided we were, maybe. No, I said that you know as a joke. It was two to one, but no, really, that's kind of I mean, how that's what the vote was. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so it's a there was a it's a real judgment call, and obviously, you know, there was really incomplete information at that time. Um, there was a lot of talk about a lot of things, and nobody really knew how any of this was going to pan out. So we were dealing with super incomplete information, um, and made that decision. Because that's what we felt was the best 
as we feel this out for a short period of time. And I like Atticus. I thought we would be back in very short order, but turned out to be a little bit longer. But really, I mean, we came back, and because of this belief and, and what you're hearing from all of us now, that if we had to do it over again, exact same circumstances, we would probably not shut down at all. But given the information that we had, this decision that we made, and we started meeting again um, in really short order, like much quicker than a lot of other churches. There's a lot of other churches that even now, a year later, are still meeting virtually and things like that. So we definitely did not want to, that was not a long-term plan by any means. I mean, there's that verse in Hebrews that we read a hundred times and Andrew quoted to us a lot of times during that um, time where to paraphrase, it says, you know, don't forsake um, the assembling with believers and, and spurring one another on to good works. And uh, we talked a lot about how we can do that, how we can spur one another on to love and good works without meeting together corporately on Sunday. Um, we had different, you know, gospel community type things that carried on, but going back, um, with the information that we have now, we would have not wanted to shut down. And that was, again, never a long-term plan for us. That was a short, um, short-term, feel this out, see where we're going, and, and make the best decision from there. Let me throw this out there. Um, I felt like, and I think Seth would agree, and I think Andrew wouldn't agree maybe, but I think our driving scripture, um, if, we could, if we could put something there, was simply... Love your neighbor as yourself. And, and I'm not saying that was right or good or that it wasn't. But I think at the time we thought if we meet, people in our congregation might die because of this. Now that probably wasn't true. Um, not immediately. Long term it might have been. Who knows. Um, but we, we thought at the time this was a the best way to love our neighbors, the people in our church and those who might come to our church, um, was to protect their health and their physical well-being against a deadly virus um, by not meeting. So I think we were driven by thinking this was the loving thing to do. But on the flip side, Andrew was thinking, what were you, Seth already kind of mentioned it, what were you kind of fighting for in yeah, your side? two passages, Seth hit on the first one, uh, do not forsake the assembly of believers. So That's Hebrews 10, uh, 23, 4, 5, uh, if anybody's curious. Uh, Hebrews 10, 24, 25 especially. Um, but secondly, and this is something I personally have dealt with, over my life, which is like I've battled the fear of death, but uh, in Philippians, Paul talks about to live as Christ, to die as gain. Um, and that was going through my mind a lot as we wrestled with the decision to make is that how fearful of death should we be as believers and what measures should we take in light of, you know, we, I think one of the arguments we went through was, you know, we risk our life uh, every day whenever we do go to church, whether it be uh, potential for a car crash or anything like that. Uh, there's always risk involved. So at what level of risk do we deem it appropriate to shut down our gatherings together? And I think the point I made or was trying to make was that, um, I don't see in scripture where there's a caveat. Uh, if it le reaches X level, then therefore we, we don't meet. So I think that's where we kind of had somewhat of a crossroads of sorts that we had to work through. Seth, you said that looking back, you would have done it differently. Do you mean that with what you know now, 
you'd be on Team Andrew. We don't shut down, even though it was what it was. But knowing what you know now, is that kind of what? Is that knowing right? what I know now, I would definitely be on Team Andrew. The trick with that, and why we didn't know what we know now, obviously, there and and like the pushback to Andrew's argument, and and yes, like risking our own safety to fellowship with believers. I mean, you saw that in the early church, certainly um, risking real persecution. And like, if people were caught together worshiping, there would be real quick consequences and things like that. But with the information that we had at the time, looking at not only our safety, but the idea that it would spread to everyone we're in contact with on a daily basis versus just our own body, our own selves, um, which is what makes it what made it a decision at the time, and that's and that's why we erred on the side of caution um, at the time. Again, looking back and probably thinking about things a little bit differently, there's not a um, like God is like like Addie said about the resurrection. the The resurrection is bigger than um, bigger than any COVID risk. Christ is bigger than any COVID risk, and He's certainly worth more than our own safety or comfort that way. Not to say that there's not risk, not to say that there's not a real, you know, real thought process you have to go through there, but it's a, but God is good and he loves us. And there's, I mean, there's so much value in that, um, that's missed. And there's so much value that's missed in, in being together as a body. Even if it's, you know, for whatever reason, there's, there's a lot that you miss out on by not being together with other believers on a regular basis. Hold that for a second. I want to come back to that, what we learned, what we missed, what we learned, and, and regardless of how we do it differently, um, what we learned from this that we would take with us, maybe in a future, uh, a future pandemic, when we have to make this decision again, perhaps. I hope that doesn't happen. I pray that doesn't happen. But if it does, how would we embrace it differently? Before we do, I just want to say, like, I'm not sure that I would do it totally differently, um, like I might still lean towards shutting down for a few weeks and saying like, now this is cause I don't know at that point, you know, we've never would have known how far had it spread if we were, if, if here in rural Missouri, if we had been in contact with it or not, I might've wanted to vote for, Hey, let's close down for two weeks. Still looking back, I would have fought even harder than I did. Um, and, and said, Hey, we got to open up by Easter regardless of what others are doing. Um, Cause again, the resurrection is so much more significant and even celebrating that is so much more important than even our lives. Um, but if I had said, Hey, we should, we should close down and Seth and Andrew had said, Nope, we should stay open. Then again, it'd be two to one and, and I'd get on team Andrew and Seth and we would, we would disagree, but we would uh, together make that decision to say, Hey, we're going to stay open. And we're gonna go through this thing and, and see what happens. Um, and, and that's a hard; those are hard decisions to make that we had to make. Um, I think we probably all learned a little bit through it. So now, uh, I'll start this, but I want you guys to think about what what would you what did you learn um, through that time? And the one thing that I've learned um, that really stuck out to me is how, in my mind, like God deserves that honor and glory that we give Him through worshiping. It's it's sad when we can't come together physically in worship. But even more so, I think what I've seen is how much individuals um, are encouraged, are just simply encouraged by getting together and singing uh, these songs of praise and worship, getting together and hearing the word, getting together and taking the Lord's Supper. There's a level of 
this is almost kind of selfish view of, of, of the gathering, but how like each person needs that communal reminder of the gospel that we have every week. And without it, we start to lose hope. We start to lose who we are. And I think for me, the individual benefit of going to a church gathering has been just driven home through really all of the last year and what we've missed by being apart at times. Um, even when certain families can't be there for a few weeks because they have to quarantine, what they lose and what they miss and, and my own family is missed. That's, that's uh, something that I've learned and kind of been reinforced to say moving forward, it's going to be really hard for me now to say we should ever close down as a church. Andrew, Seth, any, what have you guys learned from this season? <sighs> yeah, I, I have these thoughts going through my head that I have a hard time. I feel like any way I can try to convey it won't really get the point across as far as what I'm thinking, but at least in the, in the right way. But I'm almost led to think like when I think of that time period and it, it was really lonely and it was, um, it was not as a, for lack of a better word, it wasn't fun. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't fulfilling spiritually, um, in the way it, it normally is. And, I try to compare it like I look at like, okay, what if we're going through the bubonic plague in, in light of the point I'm about to make, but like, I don't know how I would, um, how I would process it if we had something going on that extreme. Cause I don't believe COVID was nearly that level. Um, but I almost am like, man, like the risk of death is definitely worth it for the sake of getting together and meeting together. Like to me, it's a no brainer. I don't, not that I necessarily speak for everyone here, but to me, it's like, yeah, I, I, if I have the choice, okay, I can either meet, uh, or, um, and have the risk of death, or stay home and it diminishes a lot. Let's go meet. Uh, again, I, I've never been through a bubonic plague or something like that, but that to me is is worth it. I missed it, and um, that's how I want to. That's how I personally want to live life. I guess is that it's worth it. To get together. The thing that you miss a lot of times if you're not in fellowship with other believers and hearing from the word and taking communion together and doing those things, you miss a lot of things. But one of the big things that I think can happen really easily is you forget you forget who's in charge. You forget who the king is. And the it's it's really easy for your mind to get wrapped up and, and, and COVID was a good example of that with just like the media ridiculous hype and just went wild and out of control and how you just get so you can get so sucked into that and so sucked into the danger and the fear and whatever else it may be um, that you forget who's on the throne and not you know you're like oh I didn't know but that you your, your mind gets gets drifts away from um, from what's important and what's central to you know whatever these ancillary things are that that drive that um and to andrew's point like the yeah there's it's definitely worth meeting um even if there's some risk involved because there's always some risk involved um but there's different levels of that obviously that make it it's what made it a tough decision at the time of not knowing what that risk level is is it a five percent risk that you know somebody's gonna die or is it a 10% risk or a 1% risk or whatever it is, you know, that's a, 
Um, just incomplete information makes it tough. But I really think that if you're if you're when you're apart from that, if you're not getting getting that experience of being together and worshiping with other believers and the Lord's Supper and those things, you forget um, you forget what's central. You forget what's who's on the throne. Let me ask you a practical question. Um, we're talking to members of our church, people who are part of our community. Is there a time when they should stay home from the gathering? Because we're talking right now, to be clear, I think what we're saying is that as a church, we will not shut down our worship gathering. Um, it, it's hard to say never, but we're all three leaning that direction, that there would have to be, you mentioned the bubonic plague, something where death was almost guaranteed. I'm not saying that's true in that situation, but if it were, then we have to ask this question again. And I think part of us, I mean, I think Seth and I probably thought like maybe maybe that's where we were, we thought at the time. We, we see now um, that... The, Statistically, that's not where we were. Um, but is there a time when individuals should make the choice to stay home from worship? And I'm not even going to put this out there. People have a fever. Clearly, they're sick. Do they need to stay home? Um, Andrew, Seth, thoughts on that? From the public gathering. It doesn't mean you stop being a part of the church, to be really clear, but you just don't come on one Sunday because you're in the moment you're sick at the time. Yeah, great question. Um that brings all sorts of nuances that I don't know that I'm prepared to <laughs> uh, answer. But you know, in my mind, it, to your, it's a great question. I think yes. If you have if you have a, an illness, a fever, we use our knowledge of science and this, that, and the other. And you got a fever, yeah, let's not meet. Um, and and someone could probably take that and try to extrapolate that and say, well, what if you might be sick? Then should you know shouldn't you do the same thing? And I wouldn't take it that far. I'd say we use our, our knowledge base. We have thermometers. God's given us the ability to have things like thermometers and uh, information that helps us know if we're if we're likely ill or not. And we make the best decisions we can based on that. And uh, to live in the world of well, I might have this or I might this. That's not a world that I, I guess, A, that I want to, but I don't think I want to because scripturally I just, I don't see scripture backing that type of approach. Um, if you're sick, you know you're contagious. We know that's science. We know that that's accurate. Yeah, let's make that decision to not uh, be gathering together would be my strong encouragement to those around me. Um, but if it's a anything other than that, hey, let's get together. Let's uh, let's uh, break bread together, and might we be sick? Yes, um, but until we know or are very confident that we are, um, I think that it's wise to uh, obey the commands and, and get together. It's kind of a, I feel like a little bit of a squiggly line, and I don't have more to base it on right at this moment, but that's generally where my mind goes. Seth, what do you think? I think an important point of clarification, that verse in Hebrews that we talked about a lot at that time and still do were were commanded not to forsake the assembling of believers being clear about that missing one sunday is not forsaking communion with believers missing two sundays in a row is not forsaking the communion with believers just saying i'm not going to come for however long indefinitely that is that would be much more along those lines of, of saying i'm not this is not a priority to me this is my you know and, and there's there's real things in there. There's, I mean, like safety, fear, that kind of stuff. Like it's a real thing to contend with. Um, but that's where you've got to really take a hard look at that 
look first in Hebrews and saying, you know, is this what it's talking about? Is this forsaking the, the fellowship of believers? Um, and again, missing one or two Sundays because you're sick or you're in quarantine because you, you know, whatever it may be, like, do those things. Like, you don't have to be an idiot, but at the same time, like, it's not, um, you don't have to worry about, I don't think, disobedience at that level where it's one or two or three even Sundays in a row. But if it's going to be a, a long-term decision that you're making of we're just not going to be at church for however long, um, that's where you, you're running into that more so. I think it's a really good point. Uh, probably adds the point that I was looking for. It's that habitual uh, approach versus the one-off type scenario. So, I think, um, yeah, I just want to throw another word in there. It says, let us not forsake. Let us not forsake the, the assembling together. Not forsaking the assembling together. That forsake for us, another word that would be helpful there, is neglect. Because um, like you said, you can miss once or twice. You're not neglecting it. You're making a choice because of your illness, whatever, not to be there. Um, but then returning after that because you're not forsaking it. Um, what I want to do now, we're going to wrap this thing up. This will be the longest podcast of our first few months of podcast. We're running about 25 minutes right now. We're a little past that. Um, I want to read that verse from Hebrews chapter 10 that went so heavily into our decision and will be even more heavily weighed thanks to Andrew pushing so hard, I believe, um, in the future. Um, but I want to read that passage, and then Seth or Andrew, if you have any last uh, thoughts on this, you can wrap it up, and we'll close the word of prayer, and that'll be it for tonight. So here's what uh, the writer of Hebrews, whoever that is, uh, says in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. I'm going to back up a little bit. I think it's really important to hear what's going on in the gathering of the saints. So here's what the author says. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good, good deeds. Not forsaking our own assembling together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. There's so much we could say about that. Let me just encourage each of us as Christians to consider this text as we look at future illnesses. Um, future even just prior commitments that would draw us away from the assembling together of the saints. Please don't miss a gathering of the church without considering the significance of Hebrews 10, 23 through 25. As your elders, we tried to do that, and I don't know that we think we did it the best way we could have, but we did the best at the time that we thought we could do. At least two out of three of us did. Um, but, but we weigh that passage heavily whenever considering just not being there on a Sunday, or even that can really be moved into even just gospel community. Any gathering of the saints, be there. And if you can't be there, consider the words of the scripture and, and the hope that is promised uh, as we gather together with one another. Seth, Andrew, any last comments before we close it up? Um, I think I would just say like what you just read, like in my mind and as I, as I hear that and you read it, like that's a cause personally that's a cause worth being willing to die for um and as believers i think that if nothing else this pandemic situation should help us shape our view and our value of life i think it's one of those weird dichotomies where our value of life for others should be extremely high 
that's you know, and and I think it naturally is in the church. We're traditionally very pro-life, um, and as we're looking at the general welfare of others, we're very for that. But individually, I think it's important to look at those situations and say, okay, what am I willing to lay my life down for? And why do I value my life the way I do? Why do I fear whatever I fear as it relates to death? And if nothing else, I think that hopefully this pandemic can be a a situation where we look at why we make the decisions we do as it relates to safety and this, that, and the other. And how much does that line up with scripture? Um, And that unpacks itself in a thousand million different ways that we make decisions. But I think if nothing else, I think I'd be. I think we'd be uh, remiss if we didn't think about what is uh, within a church-based, a, a scriptural-based lens. What's worth laying our life down for? I think one of the first phrases in that passage that you read was that He who promises faithful, and I think that's something that we've got to hold at the forefront and keep in mind always that. Whatever the the risk, whatever the and talking about you know getting together in a pandemic situation or in any other like encounter that you have in life and any other decisions that you make, um, he's faithful and mm-hmm. he's got you and there's no um, there's no pandemic that can take that away. There's no um, social setting that can take that away. There's there's nothing that you're encountering that um, there's no scenario that you're encountering that God's not sovereign over and faithful in including death including death right right Right. all right well um, let me conclude with this Uh, the apostle paul tells us that god causes all things to work together for the good of those who love him those who are called according to his purpose and this pandemic i don't think that verse means we need to call the pandemic good we don't need to call COVID a good thing but we do need to believe that he is faithful and he will bring good out of even this evil uh, season and all that came with it. And so let me uh, offer a word of prayer, and that'll be it for tonight. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for the blessings and the mercies you showed us over this past year. I thank you for the convictions and the realizations that we as elders in our church and, and the church universal has probably come to, to grasp and hang on to even more deeply and more passionately Um, because of this season. So Lord, I thank you that you are already bringing good out of evil, um, the thing that you you always do. Uh, We thank you for the cross, Lord, an evil act of mankind against your son, your savior, but you brought the good of salvation out of it, Lord. Um, We just pray that you would do that with our very lives, our decisions, um, and Lord, we we pray that you would do that for every member of Pillar Church right now that you would bring good out of evil and difficult seasons, and they'd be able to trust you. Help us as a church to trust you to cause all things to work together for good, Lord. We trust you for that, and we trust you in and because of Jesus and who he is. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. God bless. See you later, Pillar.